Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. Midnight Mass, book five, Gospel, is the episode of Midnight Mass, the limited series on Netflix that I'm going to be spoiling. So if you have not watched episode five, book five of Midnight Mass... I would recommend doing so before listening to this because I am going to be spoiling it, talking about it uh, in detail, so uh, you have been warned. Let's get into it, shall we? As we left in the last episode, Joe had been killed by Father Paul. His blood had been drank, and because he feels no guilt, uh, he it's the work of God. God made him do it. And uh, at the end of the last episode, Riley was attacked by the quote-unquote angel, uh, his blood being sucked because he went back to the rec room to confront Father Paul about his lie that he told about Joe's sister. And it's a bummer because those were my two, the two characters that I actually enjoyed. Even though Joe wasn't a good person, Still, I relate to him as like an outcast, uh, as somebody that doesn't fit in with the other people that speak in long paragraphs uh, to each other. Uh, and then also Riley, who was kind of the voice of reason in a cult, an island cult. Uh, and uh, so a bummer ending to the last episode. This episode uh, starts off with Riley's mom in his room. You're seeing a bunch of pictures, a bunch of mediocre Photoshop work uh, of pictures of Riley as a kid, you know, posing with Aaron and his father and also Father Paul as uh, uh, an altar boy. Uh, and then it's they're eating breakfast, I think, and they're gossiping about uh, Riley a bit uh, because he hasn't been home. This is the second night he hasn't been home, obviously. The first night, it was him staying over at Aaron's because she had just had a miscarriage, quote-unquote. We don't know. Still no no word on what happened to Littlefoot, as far as we know. Just disappeared. And uh, so he stayed over the first night with her to pray with her and all of that. And the second night, of course, uh, he fell victim to the angel, the, the vampire angel. Uh, but... There's, you know, like laughing because Warren's like, oh, I th he's been spending a lot of time at Aaron's and his mom's proud. It's like good for him. I mean, he is an adult. Like it is kind of weird how, especially his dad. I mean, they treat him like a child in a lot of ways. And his dad clearly, I mean, he had his talk with Riley in the last episode, but his dad clearly doesn't respect his son in a lot of ways. He has a lot of animosity for his son. Uh, but he hasn't been home. He's been at. They assume he's been at Aaron's. And cut to Aaron awake at her kitchen table, looking at her phone, calling Riley. Uh, cut to Riley's phone in a pool of blood inside the rec room. Obviously, not in a condition to be uh, answering the phone. Whether he's alive or not, we don't know yet. Cut to Doctor Sarah doing some research online, uh, and her mom walks in uh looking younger wearing her her clothes her older clothes from when she was younger uh 
so she looks and 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 dressing younger and it's just blowing away like <sighs> this show i've the way people act and the way people talk bothers me more act because everybody just seems to be okay with Miss Gunning, the old lady Gunning, looking younger. Especially her doctor daughter, who is not religious, right? She seems miraculously pretty chill with, I mean, she's, you know, testing. She's probably blown away. But at the same time, it's just like, I don't know. It's just like business as usual, I guess. Everybody that sees Mrs. Gunning in this episode seems to be like they're they're blown away, but they're like they can buy it. And like, I don't know if I saw a, an old person all of a sudden, an old person that's like has dementia and is on the downside of life. Right. They, they don't have much time left. If all of a sudden they start looking like they're in their 30s. Like, I am, like, I don't know. But I wouldn't just be okay with it. I Like, the way people are, I don't, in it, I don't know. And then, of course, everybody speaks in, like, these long paragraphs. They get asked a question, and it's just, like, this long story. Everybody's pontificating about things forever and ever and ever and ever. And also, I noticed in this episode, everybody speaks in a similar cadence to Father Paul. They all, like, Miss Keen, Aaron, big time in this episode, I notice, sounds, speaks in the same cadence as Miss Keen, who speaks in the same cadence as, as Father Paul. Obviously, Father Paul, when he's giving his sermons, there's a lot more energy behind how he speaks, but structurally and tonally and kind of the, just the, the overall cadence, they are so similar, and it's so noticeable in this episode. And maybe it was noticeable previously, but I, I'm finally noticing it in this episode. And maybe it's just at the end of last episode, I'm like, okay, screw this show. What are the things I don't like? Because I was digging it. I was into it. It's an interesting premise. But it's, it seems like there are things that are happening that I'm just like, okay. And maybe it's my fault. I'm not a fan of the Christian Catholic religion. I'm actually not a fan of vampires either. It's very rare that I'm into a vampire story. Uh, and I thought this was, it's very unique how they're doing this, how they're wrapping those things together. They do fit very well together. But anyway, uh, so old Miss Keen is, uh, or not Miss Keen, old uh, Gunning is, is looking and dressing younger. Cut to uh, a ma Bill's, a.k.a. Bowl. His mom is at the sheriff's office filing a missing persons report. Obviously, he's been missing. He's been missing for a while now. Was it the end of the second episode he got disappeared? It was pretty early on. It's been a while since Bull has been gone. And his mom is just now there. Sheriff mentions that he, he uh, had talked to Joe and Joe had seen him last. And, mis and uh, his mom's... Uh, Bill's mom, B Bull's mom, 
uh, is like, you need to double check. Like, we need to, this island needs to come together. Islanders need to protect their own. Even though we're not part of the same religious cult everybody else is, she kind of assumes the sheriff is, and the sheriff's like, I'm not Christian either. She's like, yeah, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean? That even though we're not part of your the, the island cult, as we are all still part of this same community, and we all need to rally together to try and find my son, which I don't see that. I, none of this show has indicated that there is unity amongst the people who live on this island uh specifically how they treated joe and also clearly bowl was in that crew but we never got to really know bowl at all you know and uh so she's there filing a missing persons report she's like go back and check with joe we need to find you know we need to we need to give a shit that her son is missing and of course, the sheriff like makes excuses for why he's probably missing. Because he's a degenerate, he's like, well, who knows? He could be whatever. Who knows? Like, he doesn't seem too concerned. Not only about this, but about the when Aaron goes, uh, shows up in his office. But that doesn't happen yet. So after after that, they cut to uh, you have uh, Sturge, who's the bearded dude putting up a new sign on the church sign that mass is going to be later on. They're going to have Good Friday mass at 8 p.m. And Easter is going to be Saturday at midnight. So even earlier, like the moment Sunday starts is when Sunday mass is going to be at midnight. And the whole congregation is outside why he's putting the sign up and and warren's trying to make an excuse like oh it's you know he's still kind of getting over this this cold so that's why we're going to do it at night he should be fine by tonight you know explaining why it's at night then old gunning shows up with dr sarah who dr sarah is not part of the church but she's taking your mom there because she's younger now and healthier now and can walk although she still kind of walks like she's an old lady troubling you know, these people are clearly starting to look younger. The old old people makeup is starting to to wear away, uh, but they, their mannerisms are still that of, of older people, at least uh, Miss Gunning is. And everybody in the congregation is like, oh, look at you. You look so young. And not like, oh, look at you. You got a facelift or you got a makeover. You know, that's their reaction when they see Mrs. Gunning, it's like, oh, look at you. You look so good. But it's like, nobody's like, what the fuck? You look like, f you look 50 years younger. <laughs> you were like, you were gonzo. You were, you had dementia. You could barely walk. You couldn't even go up the stairs to your bedroom. And look at you. What is going on? What is going on? Like, I like it's just amazing how just effortlessly these people accept that. But anyway, mass is going to be later. No more daytime mass. Nighttime mass only. Cut to Aaron's looking for Riley, obviously. Goes over to his parents' house, talks to his mom. Uh, and his, her mom's like, you know, gives her sympathy for the miscarriage that she just heard about. 
Um, and, uh, you know, but Riley hadn't been there. She assumed she, he was with Aaron. Uh, and then Aaron goes to check at the boat, talks to Warren. Warren relays the message to the dad, and the dad, being the guy who doesn't really like his son, just gets angry, just like, oh, I knew it. He wastes throwing everything away. Like, instead of having compassion for your son, who made some mistakes in his life, got drunk, and accidentally killed somebody, went to prison, served his time, got out, is doing a good job, going to meetings, trying to put his life together. He has very little sympathy for his son. Like, he is instantaneously ready to demonize his son, assuming that he just fell off the wagon again, assuming, like, he's shown no signs of being that type of guy. I don't know if it's just the performance or the writing of the character, but you don't get the feeling that he is like a Joe character who's struggling. We never saw Riley praying to himself, not that he would, but like standing in front of the beer cooler at the grocery store, making a tough decision. It's really seemed like Riley's kind of put his th stuff together and is on the right track in this very contemplative doing the things he needs to do there's nothing that i would say is pointing to him being a guy that i would assume right off the bat that oh he's fallen off the wagon and and this is like it just shows that he doesn't know his son in my opinion that his dad doesn't know his son and doesn't really like his son like blames his son for for making mistakes in his life you know which is just it, I, it's it's sad it's a sad you know it's a sad thing for sure but that that's how he you know that's how he reacts not concerned angry cut to uh we have sheriff he's going uh checks at joe's place then he's back at his office and aaron shows up uh to file the missing persons because you know she's like it hasn't been 42 hours but Riley's been missing and the sheriff's like you know asking her questions like well what did you guys talk about the sheriff is assuming just as Riley's dad assumed that like maybe he fell off the wagon he also uh she brings up that they were talking about death because she had just gotten a miscarriage which she's not comfortable like kind of is difficult for her to divulge that information and the conversation they have isn't really, it, it feels disingenuous. Like, it's clear they were talking about death because she had just had a miscarriage and she brought up, she asked Riley flat out what he believes in death. But when she's talking to the sheriff, the sheriff's like, well, who, it's like, I don't know. I think maybe he brought up the topic, but I definitely leaned into it. It's like, the topic was brought up because of the miscarriage, A, and you literally asked Riley what he thought of death, B. Like, it's not, like, at no point did I have the feeling watching that episode, last episode, that, like, wow, Riley really sounds like somebody who's suicidal. He sounds like somebody who's depressed. I mean, yeah, he kind of sounds depressed, kind of, like, not having a purpose but he's still it's not like he's laying in bed all day he's still part he's not missing meetings 
He's not missing his. He's not. He's not like skipping out on his responsibilities. In anything, he was doing more. He was starting to help his dad with his fishing. He was, you know, doing all the meetings. He was being there for for Aaron. Like he was active in society. He wasn't somebody that was pulling away from society. But for whatever reason, when Aaron was talking to the sheriff, like the way it, it. comes out it seems like oh well maybe he was suicidal maybe that's what maybe that's it you know it's like oh you know that's what i hear suicidal people do they talk about death they talk about how easy it is some people are just okay with death doesn't necessarily mean they're on the brink of killing themselves some people especially if you're religious you would think you would be pretty okay with death if heaven, if the thing you have faith in and believe in is so magically perfect the way Aaron describes it as being a, a place of love, just pure love and being surrounded by family members, it's a family reunion of love, then why wouldn't you be okay with death? Why wouldn't you welcome death? If you truly believed that you were going to heaven and that heaven exists why wouldn't you be absolutely stoked at the possibility you could die at any moment, right? At any moment, you could go to the perfect place. But you're scared. Hmm. Maybe you don't believe. Maybe you're just constantly trying to convince yourself of something that doesn't exist. But that was a weird conversation she has with the sheriff. Because it's not what I was thinking. But whatever. So the sheriff thinks maybe he relapsed, maybe he killed himself. She thinks the same thing. Maybe he killed himself. I didn't get that. I didn't get that from him at all. Nope. But whatever. Cut two. Uh, it's Mass. Uh, Miss Keen greets Miss Gunning as she comes in. And again, she's like, oh, you look so young. And of course makes this makes sense that miss keen would be fine with it because she's perfectly fine with monsignor pruitt looking dramatically younger as well seeing him supposedly die and come back to life totally fine with his story of an angel bringing him back to life and him being chosen by god to to kill joe so it's not that surprising that Keen would be totally cool with Sarah's mom uh, all of a sudden being younger because she's she would actually expect that she she's you know knowing the fact that she believes in this stuff and knowing who's been getting the communion regularly she can kind of hypothesize who are the people that are going to start looking younger like she can anticipate these things which okay that makes sense everybody else wacky. Um, and it's Good Friday Mass. So this is the 8 p.m. Good Friday Mass, which means that uh, in... So I'm assuming the next episode is going to be the events of Saturday. And this this show ends on Sunday. show ends with Easter. Easter Mass, uh, which takes place at midnight. I'm assuming. But it's Friday Mass. And... Uh, you know, this is, for those that don't know, Good Friday is the day. They call it Good Friday. That's the day they killed Jesus. 
<laughs> Christians call it good. Uh, because that was the day he sacrificed himself to himself in order to save everybody. They sacrificed himself to himself in order to convince himself that people should be allowed to go to heaven. Because Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit, they're all the same thing. So God gave birth to himself. You know, basically God raped Mary, impregnated her with himself so that he could become a human and then live to about 30 something and then allowed himself to die, allowed his child self to die, his incestual rape baby self to die. And then he did that in order to convince himself, like only after his incestual rape baby version of himself was sacrificed then then he was convinced that human it's very confusing it's very confusing but good friday is the day and i remember when i was a big participant in church i was part of the motion choir and on good friday we would literally i'd be dressed in a robe i'd play one of the roman soldiers and i me and another dude right usually my friend we would bring like haul like during church we would haul up a giant wooden cross right past the pews up on the little stage there we put the, the thing down we put the cross down right and then we would stand at each side of the cross and there'd be music playing or whatever i don't know if somebody would be reading something i can, it's it's forever ago and then we would literally pick up rocks and then we would pr pretend to nail an invisible Jesus to the cross, which during rehearsals we would laugh and crack up all the time because it's fucking ridiculous. We'd be nailing the invisible Jesus. Clack, clack. People would cry. People would cry. So, like, I mean, because they think they think this happened. They think we're do we're portraying a real event. Which maybe it happened. I mean, people got crucified all the time. They don't care about all of the millions of people that were crucified. There's only one dude they cared about. So we'd, we'd do that. We'd put the, the crown of thorns on his head. And then after Jesus died on the cross, then we would pull the invisible Jesus off the cross. And we would carry the dead, invisible dead body of Jesus down back through between the pews, you know, back out of the building. These cult members worship the slaughter of the person that they love, the person that died for their sins. Uh, they, it's so disgusting. Ugh. And then they wear a symbol of the thing that he died on, right? If he died in a car accident, they would have like a little Mazda necklace, but he died on a cross, so... Um, it's weird. So that's Good Friday. And he's reading from the gospel. They're talking about, you know, oh, when they died, they put him in the, the tomb. This tomb that was available, and they put a big rock in front of the tomb. And then we get the uh, sermon from Father Paul. Gospel means good news. Good news on Good Friday. And yet, it's a, it's a story of such profound suffering. What's so good about that? Jesus' suffering in this story, it isn't simply necessary. It is good. 
It is the price of eternal life. That suffering he endures alone. At the resurrection, he is alone. And then, well, uh, he has a few allies, and then more congregation, and then more and more people spread that good news, tell that good story, and then God has an army. What do they say in that commercial? They, uh, be all that you can be. Well, I mean, no offense to the armed services, which are necessary and, of course, honorable, but that's not all that you can be. In the army, you're fighting for God and country. Now, I am going to offend you now, but uh, it is the truth. God does not want you to fight for this country. The arrogance of that. God has no country. There is one God for the world. And the lines we draw and the treaties we draft and the borders we close mean nothing to him. Which I actually kind of agree with. Like, if you were, right, if you were to, for a moment, be in the, the shoes of a somebody who actually believes in God, right, the idea of these Christian nationalists that exist in our world right now, like Marjorie Taylor Greene and, and Boebert and all these people that are, you know, Nazis, basically. Um, like, if you believed in God, then borders and things, none of that stuff matters. Like, th the government, like, all, everything is, even religions are man-made things, and there's nothing there's nothing in the bible that talks about that and so that aspect of what he's talking about is uh something i agree with but he does get very militarized with his talk about like we are an army we are going god is going to ask you to fight for him things are going to get ugly like he is talking to them in ways like conservatives are talking to their followers that like you need to prepare for a civil war. We need to uh, execute the woke mob that is destroying this country. Uh, and that's kind of the sentiment, except for it's not a nationalistic sentiment. It is uh, very strictly drawn a religious war uh, that, that Father Paul, a.k.a. Pruitt, is, is kind of talking about and uh, preparing his congregation for, encouraging uh, and motivating his congregation to get prepared for a holy war uh, that is happening culturally, I'm sure, as well, but I would imagine for the show, literally about to happen. And, uh, and it seems like it's going to coalesce and, and, and reach its crescendo on, on Easter Sunday. So, that is something I'm looking forward to, to see where this show goes. But I want to take a quick break from the show to let you all know that there is official merch for the Ray Taylor Show. Head on over to InspiredDisorder.com. You can get t-shirts, different artwork available, different designs, all on high quality materials in all the sizes. There's also iPhone cases made of biodegradable material. That's right, this is not bad for the environment, this is good for the environment. So all of those designs that are available on t-shirts are also available on phone cases designed by me, 
sold by me. Head on over to InspiredDisorder.com to support The Ray Taylor Show and promote it out in the world so all of the people in your life can see that you are a fan of The Ray Taylor Show. Now, let's get back to that very show right now. Uh, he gives his sermon, uh, preparing everybody for war. Easter's going to be a big day. And after the sermon, after Mass is over, Miss Gunning is kind of storming out and is telling her daughter, forbidding her daughter from going back in there, not like she was going anyway. Uh, the only reason she was there was because her mom, you know, is super good friends with Mr. Pruitt. But she forbids her to go because that is not the man that she knows. He has changed, uh, which is nice to see. Like, th as far as, you know, you lose a couple characters, you lose Joe, you lose. I mean, R Riley's still around, uh, at least for a bit. And old Miss Gunning, at least she's on the right side of things. Uh, you know, she she sees that. Uh, it's uh, the way he's speaking is is maybe not going to be the healthiest uh, as far as what's going to happen for the people. Uh, so she forbids her her daughter to go, which is kind of funny because her daughter wasn't going anyway. Uh, but you can tell that that she's she's aware and awakened to the change in Mr. Pruitt, in in Monsignor Pruitt. Uh, cut to uh, Riley. Knocks on Aaron's door. And uh, she asks where he's been. He doesn't answer. As happens so much in the show, people ask a question, and then they just tell them a story uh, that is non-related to their question, really, uh, like tangentially uh, related. Uh, she's like, where have you been? And he's like, remember that time you came to my door and you, like, you convinced me to go out on the boat and we can smoke some cigarettes and watch the sunrise. Like, will you do that for me now? And she's like, okay, I trust you. You just disappeared and didn't answer, didn't give me at all a quick inkling on where you've been. You don't seem like you're drunk. You don't seem like you were on a bender. Uh, you seem, as you always do, pretty calm and collected. But you're here. You're asking for me to go on this boat, so I'll go on this boat. Uh, and they get out on this boat, and she asks again. What's this about, Riley? It's where it all came from in the first place. Stars. Primitive men, they're hunting and gathering and stuff all day long. But at night, they just sit around campfires trying to stay warm, stay safe. Predators. And they look out across the valleys, and they see... Other campfires, just little spots of light in the landscape, and they know that other people are out there in the dark. Then they see these spots of light in the sky. They don't know what they are. They don't have a clue about space or stars or light waves. They just figure they got a whole lot like campfires. Who must those people be, they wonder? And again, what are we doing out here, Riley? 
oh, look at the stars, bro. They're like campfires up there. And, you know, back in the before times, people would just see campfires and then they'd see them up there and be like, whoa, how do campfires get up there? It's like, again, a non-answer going into this pontification of stars and campfires and religion. And then he's like, okay, let me tell you a story. You're probably not going to believe it, but let me tell you this story, which again, still not answering her question, right? Goes from a story about him talking about the stars being campfires to now the events that happened after he got bitten. So I'm assuming he started his story with, hey, I went to the rec room and uh, this demon thing sucked the blood out of my neck. And then after that, cut to, uh, we have... Mr. Pruitt helping Riley, who's on the ground, had just had his neck sucked by this angel, you know, in a pool of blood, kind of dried up blood, actually. And uh, Mr. Pruitt's trying to help him through it like his neck is uh, Riley's neck is cracking. And Father Pruitt's like, uh, you know, I had this sister who had polio and blah, 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 blah. But crack, crack, crack. It's like, you're going to be okay. And then uh, a little while later, uh, Mr. Pruitt's sitting in the chair for the, the AA meeting, kind of reading the Bible. And then Riley wakes up. Wakes up and he's like freaked out and he like scoots back against the, the doors. And, and Father Pruitt's like, no, no, I got to. You know, this is a great moment. You're going to you're going <laughs> to you're totally going to dig this, bro. Uh, and then Riley freaks out, goes out the door and it's daytime and he gets all burnt because he's been changed and he's burning up. And then, you know, Father Pruitt brings him back in. He's like, you got to wait, at least wait to heal up because, you know, you, you your neck is healing already, starting to heal already. But now you need to chill out here and let the burns heal. Right, so he convinces Riley to do this. Now, my issue is that when Monsignor Pruitt got changed in Jerusalem, woke up immediately, woke up a younger person, right? Which this in this conversation he has, this is like an orientation that Monsignor Pruitt is giving to Riley in this in the rec room right now, and. He tells him, like, oh, you know, when you get bitten, you go back to your peak self, your best self. So that explains why Riley isn't really changing age-wise uh, and explains why Monsignor Pruitt, as well as Miss Gunning, are becoming younger. Uh, although Monsignor Pruitt instantaneously became younger, there was no transition period, unlike Miss Gunning, unlike uh, Riley's parents, who are slowly, unlike Miss Keene, who is slowly getting younger. Like, it was an instantaneous thing, which I assume is because they got bitten directly by the vampire, unlike, unlike uh, you know, the rest that are just kind of drinking the blood and that that's kind of slowly doing the thing. But my issue is when Monsignor Pruitt got changed... And he was out in the sun in Jerusalem and he was got all the way to Crockett Island and did his daytime mass. At no point was light an issue until he died. And then all of a sudden, in this case, unless like Riley died after 
he got his blood sucked. Like, it doesn't really, they don't make it clear. It just seems like instantaneously sunlight is hurting Riley, whereas Monsignor Pruitt, it took forever before light started affecting him. It wasn't until after he, quote-unquote, died and came back. So that is, that, that's an issue I have, that this show doesn't... It, it, it's not consistent with the rules of vampiring and changing and all that stuff. But what? I'm supposed to have faith. Uh, but it, most of their conversation is just, you know, going uh, about, like, uh, he tells him a story, as always... You know, Riley's like, what is this? What happened? And, you know, like everybody gets asked the question, like, I got a story for you, buddy. And he's like, oh, there was this kid when I was a young preacher, pastor, and this kid, and I, it was during the, you know, Easter, and we were talking about the resurrection, and this kid brought his dead mouse into me, and he's like, you know, Jesus got resurrected. Can you resurrect this mouse? And the, you know, this priest is like, it took him a few days, but he ended up finding a replacement mouse uh, to, to trick the kid into thinking that he could actually resurrect the kid, right? Like, lied to a child in order to manipulate him into believing in the cult stuff, right? Like, no, it's not up to you to have faith in this. Let me manipulate you by lying and pretending like I resurrected a mouse, and, of course, the story was about Riley when he was a kid. And Riley's like, what? How are you, Mr. Pruitt? Which, at least, he has some actual reaction to be like, I don't believe that's true. And he's like, oh, hold my hand. You remember the scars of my hands. Which I, if all of a sudden, the old priest from, first off, I'd recognize them. Because it's like, oh, you look like a younger version. You look like, are you the son of this person? You look like you're related to this person. That's like the one thing that nobody is like. Not one person, uh, although Joe, I guess Joe said, oh, so you could be like the illegitimate child. He's the only one. That's one of the reasons why I like Joe. He's like existing in the same reality I am. So Riley believes that he is Pruitt, finds out that Father Paul is Mr. Pruitt, and that after you get bitten, you get turned into your best self. And uh, Pruitt's like, you know, it, it must be a sign, because I never would have thought you would have come back to the rec room. You know, there was no reason for you to show up, and, you know, but you showed up, and you showed up at the time you did, so it must be God. And Riley tells him he was going because he lied, he, you know, about Joe's sister. And, and Pruitt's like, oh, okay, I'm going to stop lying now. Now I'm going to stop lying. From here on out, I'm going to tell you the truth. Obviously, had no problems lying to you about, quote-unquote, resurrecting a mouse. Had no problems lying to you about, uh, obviously... The fact that I'm not Mr. Pruitt for all the time before that, but also about Joe's sister. Like, really had no problems lying before as a man of quote-unquote God. But right now, Riley, I'm not going to lie to you anymore. Right now, I'm a straight shooter. You can trust me, Riley. Okay? Uh, which is... It's, okay. 
so he finds out that he killed Joe, but it's like, but Riley, I killed Joe because that's what God wanted me to do. Okay. Right. You killed somebody. You killed that girl. And you feel regretful that you killed that girl. Guess what, Riley? I don't regret killing Joe. And you know what that proves? That proves that God made me do it. Right? Because if God didn't make me do it, I would feel regret. But since I don't feel regret, that means it was God's plan. God wanted me to do it. Like, it's basically so much of this conversation is how people use religion as a cognitive bias to prove whatever they want. I mean, the advantage of the fact that the Bible has so many contradictions within it, you can find a passage to explain anything. And that's what Miss Keene, Miss Keene found a passage that explains why Father Paul is, was, was controlled by God, was, was, it was God's will that he killed Joe because Joe was just too far gone. He was just too far gone. And it's like, they're, they're crazy people. They're crazy people. And they're using the Bible as a way to justify what's happening with the vampire attacks and what's happening from the, uh, the effects of the vampire blood and all of these things. And it's just like, oh, it is like the worst, the most frustrating part of if you ever have to listen to a religious person talk about things, how they explain things. It's the same thing with people that are spiritual in other ways and they use like horoscopes and zodiac signs and moon phases like people that find ways to justify and excuse behaviors based on these things that have been written down it's just it hurts my it hurts my brain it hurts my brain uh so he finds out that he killed joe uh miss keen shows up and uh, Father Pruitt does a little demo of, of what it's like now that he's been changed. And he has Miss Keene come over and get really close to him. And, and he, you see that, that uh, Riley can now see the blood pumping through her neck. And that he, there's this thirst for it that he wants to, like, attack her. But Father Paul holds him back because, you know, that's the hunger that he deals with. It's different than alcoholism, Riley. You don't know what it's like to be a vampire for God, a godly vampire. You don't know the thirst I have, all of these people. I'm up there on the stage giving my little show, my performance, and I see all of these carotid arteries, all these arteries just pumping blood that could be feeding me. I'm so thirsty, Riley. So he finds out, of course, that Miss Keene knows everything that's going on. Uh, Riley gets hunger pains. Uh, they talk about the guilt stuff. And, and you know, he's like, you know, Riley's like, oh, it's disgusting that you don't feel guilt, which is true. It's true. If I was talking to somebody and they just told me they killed somebody, I don't care who it was, right? Let's say it's Joe. Let's say it's even worse than Joe, right? Anybody that's like justifying killing somebody and the justification they use is that they don't feel guilt. Like if anybody just killed somebody and didn't feel guilt for it, no matter who the person is, could have been the worst person. Like people feel guilt after killing an animal they plan on eating. There is a sense of like guilt for that. 
but there isn't even that in in father pruitt and he gets riley to say after saying it's disgusting he gets riley to say that he's jealous that he wishes he could have not felt the guilt that he's been feeling ever since which is you know honest i'm sure there's part of if you've accidentally killed somebody because of a dui because of your actions you accidentally kill somebody similar to joe accidentally almost killing somebody the guilt that he feels he would much rather have not had that guilt but not having that guilt would mean that you are a monster that you are inhuman having that guilt is proof that you have morality that you know you did something wrong father paul no longer has that morality he has no no he has no justification for feeling that he's wrong in any way for ending a human's life he feels justified but of course part of you is jealous cuz that would be it would be it would be great to not have negative emotions about doing bad things but that makes you a bad person if that were the dominant feeling if riley's first response would be jealousy that would mean that he has very low morals but clearly and 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 father paul's like you're lying to me you're lying to me it's not disgusting so yeah it is dude it's pretty disgusting let's take a little break from the show to promote the many faces that's right i am also an artist I do ink paintings on paper of abstract faces. A new face, a new painting gets released every single day over at InspiredDisorder.com. So head on over to my website to purchase original artwork directly from the artist. Also, there are prints available for select images. Head on over to InspiredDisorder.com, buy original art, Buy prints if that's your jam, if you want 8 by 10 prints on high-quality paper. Also, if you're looking to wear some art, there are shirts available with original artwork by myself. Select faces from the many faces are also available in t-shirt form. You go to InspiredDisorder.com, you buy original artwork, you buy prints, you buy shirts, you're supporting an artist directly and if you're the type of person that likes to invest in nfts there are also nfts available for select faces go to inspireddisorder.com now and now let's get back to the show and then he talks about the the angel how scary it is he's like apologizes for you know when he walked in you know i know it can seem really scary and they talk about in the bible like they do everything else everything else is described in the bible they say in a bunch of different passages everybody's got is like you know the the angels are always you know apologizing for being scary and stuff like that so it's like okay sure sure that's it They've been vampires, which, you know, it's it's a fun justification for intertwining vampires in the Bible. And Miss Keene and Sturge walk in with the communion goblet, and Sturge has got bandages on his arm. Uh, and they're, uh, you know, giving, they're about to give, to feed Riley, to give him communion. And, of course, to go along with the the using the Bible for your confirmation bias, Miss Keene, 
is, you know, always has the perfect scriptures for for anything, any justification, anything you want to feel good about doing, no matter how horrible it is. Miss Keene has the accurate passage in the Bible to justify why you shouldn't feel bad about it. I will raise them up on the last day for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink and whomever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will remain in me and I in them. Gospel of John. And it's pretty specific, isn't it? I mean, he's not really mincing words, is he? And this? Is this in the gospel? I know, dear. That's revelation. The fourth angel poured his bowl upon the sun and it was allowed to scorch men with fire. Chapter 16, verse eight. That is the thing about Jesus coming back to us. They told us from the start that it wouldn't be pretty. And of course, Miss Keene is not happy with the fact she is offended that the God, the angel chose Riley to change Riley and to be the the person to go and, and continue spreading uh, these miracles. Because um, that's Miss Keene. She looks down on everybody. She's like, she is morally superior in every way, justifies it with quotes from the Bible, uh, and then they go drain some blood out of, out of Sturge because apparently he's the guy that's they're using to feed off of uh, because he's the big, dumb, bearded guy, I guess. Um, so they go to feed him and, uh, you know, at first Riley is hesitant and then grabs the goblet and drinks it up because the thirst is so strong within him. Cut to it's nighttime. They've been, you know, he's been giving them the orientation on being a vampire all day. Uh, Miss Keene lets him know that people are going to be starting to show up for, for Good Friday Mass, which we had already seen happen. Uh, and, uh, Father Paul wants to let Riley go, wants to let him out and experience the differences, the changes, how life will look different and feel different now that you've been changed. And Miss Keene is hesitant about that. Her and, and Wade and Sturge all agreed that he should be kept in the rec room for another night. Uh, and that's when Riley finds out that the, the mayor is in on this as well, uh, that he's been changed, that he's kind of in with this this uh, cult crew of people that are okay with Joe being killed. Kind of blown away at it. Uh, but Father Paul's like, no, we got to let him go. This is God's will. We can't control him. So Riley kind of walks out, kind of in a daze, just kind of looking around as he walks out and just kind of walks away. And then... Monsignor Pruitt goes to get changed for for mass. Uh, and then we see. Uh, so. He has so Riley has the ability now to spread that change, to choose who he wants to give his abilities to right now. He has that ability. Uh, and he's walking around town, looking at lights. The lights have a, a, a magical aura to him. He's looking at the, the water wash up on the shore and has this magical look to it. Uh, he's walking around town, people seeing people around town, just 
looking at everything differently. His eyes are glowing. He ends up at his uh, parents' house while they're sleeping. Just kind of weird that they're sleeping because it's mass. You'd think that they would be at mass. I guess maybe maybe he went and saw them after mass got out because he's walking around for a while. But it doesn't make no, I guess. Yeah, I guess like, yeah, as he's walking around, he walks by the church later when it gets out and he sees Miss Gunning running out of the, the, the church and telling her daughter uh, that she forbids her. So it is after mass. So they must have gone home and went straight to bed or he just was out walking around for a long time. Either way, uh, Riley. And when I read the description on Wikipedia, apparently he left letters at his parents for his parents and i assume maybe his his brother uh and then also for father paul that he wrote i didn't remember seeing that in the in the episode but that's what the wikipedia entries showed but it does show him watching his parents sleep watching his brother sleep which is creepy um and then of course we know that he ended up going to aaron's house uh, and that's where we pick back up at the boat, back in the boat, where he's done with his story. He brought me out here where there is nowhere for me to go. To what, exactly? To tell me you need help? To scare me? See, I can't believe. I can't believe you'd want to scare me. I don't believe that. And even if you did, well, I've been scared much worse by much worse. And I don't, I don't let that happen anymore. So, I mean, it is creepy that he brought her out there. I was assuming that, that he was choosing her to change her maybe. Uh, but of course, uh, we find out that he didn't bring her out there to do that. He didn't bring out there to attack her. Uh, he brought her out there to prove, because he knew that she would, he wouldn't, she wouldn't believe his story. He brought her out there to prove, not only to prove that his story was true, but also to make sure that he couldn't get away. Because what's happening is the sun is about to rise. What's happening is his dream is coming true, which his dream initially was him in the rowboat by himself as the sun was coming up. And then he had the dream when he, he woke up in Aaron's bed where it was changed, where she was in the rowboat as the sun was coming up. And that prophecy is being fulfilled now that they are both in this rowboat as the sun is about to come up. And he is going to prove to her that his story is true. And he knows that she is going to try and go. He wants her to run away. He wants her to get away because he's not strong enough, right? This, this whole thing where he's putting himself down throughout this entire show is continuing on that he's not, even though he left before, he all of a sudden feels like he's not strong enough to leave Crockett Island, telling her to leave, but he knows that she's just going to go back to the island and do everything she can to stop it, which I assume is what's going to happen in the f last two episodes. She's going to start building an army to fight against the army of vampires. I'm assuming. 
but it's pretty horrific, right? Because as the sun come up, comes up, like for from Riley's perspective, it goes from sitting in the boat with Aaron to the moment the sun comes up. It's a peaceful moment where he's in the boat. Now he's in the boat with the girl that he killed in his DUI, which I didn't know who that was. I had to look it up. When I watched it, I thought maybe it was, uh, I thought it was younger Aaron. And then I thought also maybe it was her, was Littlefoot that had grown up. Like it, it proved what she thought heaven was like, that her, her fetus goes up to heaven and got older magically and it's pure love. But like, clearly this movie is from a standpoint that there is an afterlife that he did go to heaven even though he's supposedly killed killed himself which in the catholic religion i think is uh, a disqualification for going to heaven uh but he is there and like uh the girl that he killed like reaches her hand out and they they grab hands and then it's like this peaceful kind of tranquil moment with riley holding hands with his victim from the dui cut to reality where his body is burning up and aaron is screaming because the person that they just she just exchanged love the you know confessed her love to he confessed his love to her which is like a duh they loved each other for whatever forever she's screaming because she just saw him burn up in the sun which is horrific which is like whoa which is like also oh so he is dead so this whole episode the whole orientation was pretty pointless because he just kills himself anyway like so this one character that i like riley one of the guys left right joe's dead he at least existed in the same reality that i exist in Right. Riley exists in the same reality I exist in, just not blindly excusing horrible behavior because there's a passage in the Bible that gets you off the hook. He's gone again. And now I'm stuck with Aaron, which, you know, okay. like I'm interested to see where the show goes, but my favorite characters are gone. The two characters that I really liked are gone. I'm not the biggest fan of the sheriff. You know? He's okay. Like, he's average. Like, there's a lot of, like, I'm just whatever about characters. The sheriff, Aaron. I mean, I guess I kind of like old Miss Gunning now. Because she sees through Father Paul's bullshit. I like Dr. Sarah. She seems like she's on the side of science and grounded in reality but i'm not like rooting for them in any way really i'm not cheering for them uh i mean the the show hasn't really given me much to, they've been very side characters but and she seems okay with her mom like she would be she'll be running all kinds of tests on her mom um but my big question why did Riley burn up instantly after being changed while it took Father Pruitt forever before he started being affected by the sun? Everybody's just okay with Miss Gunning, which is kind of uh, kind of a big thing. There's still no explanation with what happened to, to uh, Littlefoot. 
not even I'm barely mentioned in this episode. Just it's kind of just explained as a miscarriage now, even though there was an episode that made a point to say that there's no sign she was ever pregnant to begin with. There was a scene where her blood exploded in a test tube when it hit the sun, but she's not herself isn't affected by the sun. So there's some major questions that still need to be answered in these last two episodes. And then, of course, the kind of pointless orientation of Riley, where he just ends up killing himself. But anyway, I'm like not ex- like this show is bumming me out, but I'm still excited to finish. I'm glad it's only two episodes left. Uh, so I, I hope that it'll be. It actually makes me interested to see more of uh, what this the guy who created this show um what's his name um mike flanagan uh he's done a bunch of other shows apparently that are you know horror shows uh makes me excited to see more because i do like his writing and from what i've heard the long paragraph answers this constant stories instead of actually having realistic dialogue is specific to this show so we'll see and it just got announced maybe i'll do a a review or a recap of um there's a new show of his that just got announced for Netflix. Uh, but anyway, book five, Gospel. I'm hesitant. I'm, like, very nervous about this show and where it's going. Uh, but we'll see next week with book six. New episodes of The Ray Taylor Show come out every single day. Subscribe on YouTube and everywhere our podcasts are found. Binge the full week over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. Buy Ray Taylor Show merch over at InspiredDisorder.com. And follow the show on Instagram at Ray Taylor Show. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Peace. Ouch! Today is the day where you wake up and you realize that everything that you've been dreaming about, everything that you've been wanting, every goal and wish and hope that you've ever had can become real. Dreams can come true. What you manifest in your mind, you can bring to reality.